Welcome to the Middle Church Podcast, a multicultural, multi-ethnic, intergenerational movement of spirit and justice, powered by revolutionary love with room for everyone. No matter where you are, how you look, or who you love, we pray this podcast will help you on your journey. Here's this week's worship celebration. Welcome to Middle. Welcome to Middle Church. Middle Church. Welcome home. Thank you all for entertaining me week after week with my callbacks. Friends online, welcome to worship. We're so happy you're with us. And friends in person, we're so glad you're here. Is there anybody who's here for the very first time? Raise your hand, raise them high. Welcome, keep them up. Keep your hands up. We would love, uh, our ushers are gonna come around and hand you this. It's just the way if you'd like to stay in touch with us, we would love to stay in touch with you. Um, and when the offering comes around, you can just drop it in the offering bag. So anyone who's new here, keep your hands up. Usher's gonna come around. We're so glad you're here, welcome. We hope, uh, we hope you feel at home. So first things first, I'm really excited because I'm going to the beach on the 12th and I want you all to come with me. It's our annual beach day. Uh, we have a good group going, uh, myself and Reverend Natalie are staffing that. We're gonna go, uh, by popular request, believe it or not, we're gonna go to Coney Island um, so that is Saturday the 12th. If you would like to join us, we'd love to have you. It's a family-friendly event. Uh, my email is on the back of your bulletins or friends online, bottom of your bulletin. You can just shoot me an email, let me know you're coming. Well, we are monitoring the weather. If for whatever reason it decides to rain on our parade, we will let anyone who has RSVP'd know Friday night what the plan is, okay? So make sure that you RSVP if you're planning to join us. Uh, wanting to uh, let our young adults cohort, so our 20s and 30s know we have a bunch of um, in-person opportunities coming up this month. Uh, the 20th, we're gonna grab some food at Spicy Moon. The 27th, we're gonna grab coffee before worship. So if you are in the 20s to 30s range, you're young adult forever at Middle Church, we would love to invite you to come. Again, shoot me an email. We'll make sure that you have all the details that you need. Does anybody here drink soda? Does anyone drink it in a bottle, ever? Great, what I want you to do, this is your special mission, friends online, you too, save your bottle caps. I want you to save your bottle caps, and on August 20th, say that back to me, August 20th, I want you to bring in all your bottle caps, and I want you to find me and give them to me, because our amazing children's camp, our Freedom Summer Camp, is the 21st, and our children are going to use your bottle caps that you bring, and they're gonna use them for a craft project all week. Okay, so August 20th, bring your bottle caps, we will recycle them and put them to fun and good use. Da, 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 da. Finally, last but not least, do we have any birthdays in the room? Is anyone in the room or online born in the month of August? <gasps> Happy birthday!
August babies. We hope that you have a beautiful month and we are so grateful you've made another trip around the sun. Now, before we get into our opening hymn, I'd love to invite you all to take a centering breath with me. In posture that's comfortable for you, take a deep breath in and let it out. Let us worship God together.
before the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we have come this far by faith. We have come to this place by faith to meet you, to be with you, to hear from you. So we welcome you into this place with us. Have your way with us. We know that so much is going on in the world you know about it. But today, today we are here by faith before you, Holy Spirit, because some of us are afraid. Some of us are sick. Some of us are broke. Some of us have crazy thoughts on and on and on in our minds. Our self-talk is so negative. So we've come here by faith. We've come here to the place where you can heal us. We've come here to the place where we know you love us. Holy Spirit, we come here to the place where we can be healed, our earth can be healed, our country can be healed, our city can be healed. We come to this place by faith. Your word says so clearly that where two or more gather in thy name, you will be present. And you will grant us the desire of our heart as it lines up with the heart of God. We come here by faith, knowing that you will never leave us nor forsake us. You will always be by our side. It is this faith, your children's faith, 
that we come to you, Holy Spirit. And we thank you. And we praise you for the service. We praise you for the healing. We praise you for the love and the mercy and the grace and the forgiveness that you have given us. And we ask that you open us up so that we may also give those things to other people. It is by that faith that we say amen. 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 Please stand if you are able. And let's do the Lord's Prayer together. Is it written in your program, in the bulletin, or in the way that is comfortable for you? Ever-loving and holy God, hallowed be thy name. Your reign come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us of the sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Your reign, your power, your glory forever. the peace of love to one another. Peace be with you.
Believe me when I tell you it's not easy to follow that, to come up here and just talk words, just say words. Will you pray with me this morning? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Good morning, Middle Church, to those here in person and those online. You are welcome. You're welcome to be exactly who you are here at Middle Church. You're welcome to share the good stuff and the bad stuff here at Middle Church. You're welcome to need things from this community and give things to this community here at Middle Church. You're welcome to mourn and to celebrate today. You're welcome, and it's a delight to be with you. In a few minutes, we will receive communion together. In the tradition I'm part of, the Anglican tradition, we receive communion or the Eucharist each and every week. So I'm always glad when I get to be here and participate with you, Middle Church, participating in this symbolic meal. Um, I'm so glad to be here for that with you. And because communion is coming, I will do my best to stick to the time frame I have been given to speak <laughs> with you. If you remember when I preached last, I got good feedback, but I was well over time. So thank you for your patience then, and I promise we will not do that today. Today is the Feast of the Transfiguration or Transfiguration Sunday. And from the readings offered in the lectionary for this week, I chose Exodus 34, 29 through 35 as this week's text because it hits close to home for certain things that I've been dealing with in my personal life and in my work life. And I hope the thoughts I have to share will help you as well. So let me begin by reading from Exodus 34, 29 through 35 from the message translation to set the stage for our time together today. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai carrying two tablets of the testimony, he didn't know that the skin of his face glowed because he had been speaking with God. Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, saw his radiant face, and held back, afraid to get close to him. Moses called out to them, and Aaron and the leaders in the community came back, and Moses talked with them. Later, all the Israelites came up to him, and he passed on the commands, everything that God had told him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. But when he went into the presence of God to speak with God, he removed the veil until he came out. When he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they would see Moses' face, skin glowing, and then he would again put the veil on his face until he went back in to speak with God. The word of God for the people of God. This is kind of weird, y'all. I'm not going to lie. A truly weird passage. Moses speaks with God on a mountain and then comes down with a glowing face. Throughout the reading, there's a bunch of covering and uncovering of Moses' face. And as I stated here a few months ago when I preached last, even though I love the Bible, I don't read it 
all the time, literally. In fact, I don't read it all the, most of the time, literally. In fact, my love for the Bible has grown since I stopped taking everything I was reading literally, which was the custom of the tradition that I grew up in. To read the Bible literally, I believe, is to believe in a wildly abusive God that asks God's people to do wildly abusive things. And I'm not here for that. But I do believe there are so many things when we read this book, look at it for what it is, read these passages of scripture, I believe there's so much to get from it. And I believe that's the case for our weird text today. Moses' face was glowing because he had been speaking with God. That's very clear. One chapter earlier in Exodus 33, this meeting between God and Moses is described in a bit more detail, and I really love the detail that is shared with us one chapter earlier. Exodus 33:11, again from the message, describes it like this. And God spoke with Moses face to face as neighbors speak to one another. And I love that description because just now when I said those words, pictures, images came in your head of you speaking with your neighbors. I'm guessing that because that's what happened to me. When I read that, all of these interactions that I've had with my neighbors over the years came into my mind. And I realized that neighbor interactions aren't always happy ones. They're not always great ones. There's tension. There's some unpleasantries that happen in those places. Nevertheless, when we read that scripture, when we hear that Moses and God met each other, talked, interacted face to face, like neighbors do, we have an idea of what that looks like. So today, during our few minutes together, I want to ask you two questions that will help us process through this passage. Quick disclaimer, if you came this morning for deep theological truths and uncoverings, you came on the wrong Sunday. I can do that. I can do that. But we're going to be very practical. There's some kids in the audience. There's everybody in the audience. I love looking at this audience. Everybody is represented here today, and it's a really beautiful thing. But because there are all kinds of people in this place, and you didn't come here for deep theological uncoverings, I'm going to pose two sets of questions that are very practical, very easy to digest and to process through. But I think they're incredibly important for us figuring out what this passage has to do with us and what our purpose on the earth is. The first set of questions based on this face-to-face -face interaction and from that face-to-face -face interaction between Moses and God, Moses comes down with a glowing face. Here's the first set of questions. When people look at you, and when they spend time with you, do they see God in you? Do they experience God through you? Are they able to see and experience that you have spent time with God? Does some of God rub off of you and onto them when you're together? Let me clarify real quickly for some of you that heard one of those questions in particular and maybe felt a little bit of trauma. When I ask the question, are they able to see that you have spent time with God? I do not mean, I don't believe that you have to read your Bible every day and pray every day and check all these things off on your be a good person list. That's not what I'm talking about. That's where I came from. 
Growing up in right-wing Christian fundamentalism, we were taught that you had to spend time with God every day in a very dedicated way, read the Bible cover to cover, pray a lot, and sort of prove to God that you loved them. And there was shame, both from the people around you and from this God that we had manufactured, if we didn't do those things. That's not what I'm talking about. Why? Because between the ages of 20 and 30, I read through the Bible two times a year, and I prayed a lot, and I did all the right things. Sometimes I got up as early as 4 a.m. to do these things before my day started. That's ridiculous. And guess what? I was no better for it. And I instead just got a lot of shame and a lot of guilt because I could never do enough. So let me just clear that, the air. That's not what I'm talking about when I say, do they see that you have spent time with God? I'd rather follow the teachings of Jesus on this matter. Matthew 22, you know the story. The Pharisees tried to trick Jesus by asking Jesus, which of the 613 Jewish laws was the most important to follow? Jesus answered, love the Lord your God. Again, from the message translation, love the Lord your God with all of your passion and prayer and intelligence. Most translations say heart here. He goes on to say, this is the most important, the first on any list. But there is a second to set alongside it. Love others as well as you love yourself. Love God, love others, that's it. That's the whole purpose of life. In our work, in our play, in our rest, in our comings, in our goings, in our eating, and in our drinking, as we make very human and feeble attempts at loving God and loving others, I think people will see the glow. There's a quote that is attributed to St. Francis of Assisi that goes something like this. Preach the gospel, in other words, the good news. Preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. <laughs> How does that measure up to maybe traditions that you, were, that you grew up in that said it was only words that got the, the trick done? Yeah, your good works are great, but like you've got to say it. You've got to tell them. I spent a lot of time biking around this city. So I see many people from many different traditions and religions proselytizing in many different ways. You've seen them, right? Nod your head if you've seen them. So for some of them, it's standing on a street corner, yelling what they believe at people. For others, it's shoving pamphlets in your hands and in your faces. That's no way to win people over to your cause. That's no way to tell people that God loves them that they are accepted, that they are wanted. It's much more effective to show people the glow of God in our work, in our play, in our rest, as we've already talked about. I was walking home from the grocery store yesterday and I saw an older gentleman, sweet, sweet person, passing out religious pamphlets while muttering things under his breath, trying to get people to take these pamphlets. And God bless him, he could barely scoot around. He, he, you know, he, he, was, he had many years under his belt. And I thought, I feel really bad right now because he should be home being the glow of God to his kids, to his grandkids, to his neighbors, to the people around him. And somehow along the way, he was told that you've gotta, you've gotta, this is your street corner and these are the pamphlets. And, you could just tell he was tired and exhausted, and I wanted so much more for 
that person. We have hundreds of opportunities each day to be the glow of God to others. Are we using those opportunities well? The last thing I'll say on this first set of questions is what I'm about to say may be a little confusing, especially since I said that we have to do certain things to, so that people can see the glow of God. We, have to, we do have to love God. We do have to love others. But I want to be crystal clear. You are enough. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are enough. You don't have to do anything to be known by God. You don't have to do anything to be seen by God. You are enough. There's nothing you can do that can separate you from the love of God. You are enough. Like most of life, there's that tension, right? We, 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 there are things to do. There are things that we should be about. But at the end of the day, you're enough. Just rest in that truth. The second set of questions are the inverse of the first set of questions. So the first set of questions were about what do people see when they come in contact with you? The second one I find is a little harder to wrestle with, with all the things going on in the world. When people look at you, do you see God in them? Do you treat every person you meet and see and interact with as a child of God? Because they are. Do you experience God through them? Three quick examples that happened all in the past 24 hours that uh, came along with me writing this sermon up yesterday. Yesterday I was riding my bike from Harlem where we live to Midtown and someone mindlessly stepped into my bike lane, my bike lane. <laughs> and we almost collided. I almost went over the handlebars. Now this happens every day when I ride my bike. But yesterday, as I was thinking about the sermon, my initial response, because I'm not a great person, was what the, but it ended with, that's a child of God. Because I was thinking about this sermon, I stopped myself in my tracks and was like, I don't know what's going on. They were thinking about this, that, or the other. They stepped into my very clear green bike lane, but that is a child of God that I was about to think those thoughts about. Also yesterday, I was at the library doing some reading in the quiet section, and there was a person who had a squeaky shoe. <laughs> this, I'm not making this up. And I swear, this person was thinking of every reason to stand up and walk around that library. One time, our eyes even locked, and again, I swear, our eyes, said, our eyes locked, and their eyes said to mine, what? What are you going to do about it? As they kept making laps around this table, getting too, way too many books with their squeaky shoe that they were evidently oblivious about. But everything changed as I was considering this sermon, and I looked at that person and said, that beautiful human with the squeaky shoe is a child of God. I know that's silly, but it gets that practical, right? And lastly, again yesterday, I had several back and forths with one of my children, whom I love very much, and who I won't name because they are here today. But we got to a point in the morning yesterday where my partner, Rebecca, sort of brought us together to fix things, because she's amazing like that. And as we patched things up, I looked at their little, beautiful, kind face. And one thing that made it easier, even though there were times during those interactions that I felt wronged, it made it a lot easier 
when considering this sermon and this text and what we were going to talk about for me to look at my child and say, that's not just my child, that's a child of God. Now, I will likely have more run-ins with my children. I will likely have more times when I ride my bike and almost die because of a careless person, and my what the won't end with they're a child of God. And I will likely get annoyed at other people with squeaky shoes and quiet libraries. But what would our world look like if we cultivated the practice, the habit of seeing God in others, of treating everyone we meet as a child of God because they are? Let me be clear as we begin to wrap up. I'm not just talking about the people we like. I'm talking about the people that hurt the people that we like. Like the 17-year-old child that was just arrested for stabbing and killing O'Shea Sibley last weekend at a gas station for dancing. Like the federal jury that just acquitted Jacob Brown, a cop in Louisiana, even though evidence is clear that in 2019, there's video of it. He beat a black man, Aaron Bowman, 18 times with a flashlight, leaving him with a broken jaw, broken ribs, and a gash in his head, acquitted of all charges. Those are children of God as well, that jury, that cop. Like how in the hell do we live in a world where the front runner for president of the Republican Party has been charged with 78 crimes. Those are all children of God. You get the idea. These situations make it very difficult to listen to or to make blanket statements like, love everyone. Everyone is a child of God. Julian of Norwich said these amazing words. The fullness of joy is to behold God in everything. The fullness of joy, the pinnacle of joy, the times when we should feel the most joyful is when we look at all of the things going on. We look at all the people doing all the things and say, this is all my family. There's one human race. We're all trying to make it. We're all trying to figure this out. The fullness of God is to behold, the fullness of joy is to behold God in everything. Listen, friends, I know this is a tall order, but if we are going to be the courageous and fiercely loving people that God has called us to be in this world, we must start glowing a little bit more. We must start seeing the glow of God in others. It's there, let me assure you, it's there. You're just not looking hard enough. We're just not trying hard enough. It's there. If we truly believe that we are one human race, and if we truly believe that God loves everyone and has everyone, the glow's there. We must connect more. We must eat together more. We must drink together more. We must have hard conversations more. We must show up more. Because future generations depend on us being the glow of God to others and seeing the glow of God in others. Amen.
we've come to the portion of worship where we all come together around the table, no matter who you are, where you're from, there is room for you around this table. This table does not belong to us. It does not even belong to this community. It is God's table. And at God's table, there is always room for one more. No one is excluded. We sit at the table reminded that God's face shines on all. Oh God, bless this time we spend around the table in community. May it deepen our connections to each other. May new connections grow as a result of our intentional work in meeting each other where the others may be. Jesus gathered with friends on the night he was arrested. He took the bread and broke it and gave thanks and said, take and eat for this is, this is my body given for you. Whenever you eat this, do in remembrance of me. Likewise, he took the cup, blessed it, and said, take and drink. This is the cup of the new covenant. When you drink, remember the promises for you and for many. Do so in remembrance of me. May we remember the promise that lies in our every breath, the promise of freedom, a promise of liberation, a promise that, yes, black boys get to dance and take up space too, a promise of justice. A promise of justice, joy, and peace, even at the gas pump are welcome here. Let us pray. O oh God, as we reflect during this communion meal, may your will be done. May this breaking of bread remind us that we are active participants in the promise of justice for all. May we demand justice. May we continue to work for it. And may this cup remind us that love flows freely it is only ourselves that block it. Help us, dear one, to get out of love's way and even to help love along in healing the world. Amen. Hello everyone, my name is Sandra and I am a part of the Jerese Johnson Gospel Choir as well as a member of the Butterfly Outreach Ministry. Um, I've been coming for middle for 10 years now uh, and I was asked to do join the movement and I thought that maybe um, I would do it a little different and I'm going to share uh, poetry with you, 
um, explaining why I'm part of Middle Church. I've been knocking on heaven's door for longer than I can remember, chasing the wrong things, wanting to fill a void only God can bring, and that's why I sing. Sometimes I'm standing there and I can feel the spirit in the air. She is caressing me like only a mother could, loving me when I believe no one would. There is no wrong way. There isn't only one way. I learned that here. I've chanted Black Lives Matter. I've cried over so many countless deaths. I fed the hungry been amongst the hurt and angry because that's what Jesus would do. I learned, that, I learned that here. Out there, people look at me like I don't matter, but I do, I'm Yahweh's daughter. I learned that here. I came in hiding, but yearning to be seen, tired of feeling like, I, like I'm always losing, standing in my sin. If you come one time or a hundred times, you're already home. God loves rains here. Don't worry if your voice cracks. She shines brighter through the fractures, resurrects you from ashes. I learned that here. We ain't trying to build a mega church, but God's kingdom on earth. Even after all these years, I've come here half empty and I hear the song. I feel the sermon and I'm filled. This is no easy task, what the Bible says and Jesus asks. After all, we are all human and we fall short. But here you can refill, rejuvenate, and regain what you thought you lost. Even in darkness, you can rejoice. Even in sadness, you can dance. Even when you're tired, you fight. And when you think you have nothing to say, you sing, because that is resistance. And I learned that here, amen. Se alegra la creación En luz rodeado está La oscuridad se va Y tiembla ante su voz Y tiembla ante su voz How great is our God Sing with me
May we always rise up to the occasion and do all the things that take us closer to your glory. May we be stewardesses of peace, stewardesses of what is right. Help us to spread your light. Help us to extend your blessings far beyond these walls to a world that desperately needs it. We are here for your will and not for our own. We pray for revelation, transformation, and strength in a world that doesn't want us to be us. And please bless the lives of all those taken too soon. We are waiting for a life where tears of pain no longer exist and we can dance if we want to. May we learn to love ourselves and one another and the world you created so your peace will reign forever and ever, amen. amen. Sister Emma. 
you so much. In between the sermon and right now, I got one more picture of how the glow of God can show up for us, another picture to help us understand that. Has anyone ever told you you're glowing? (laughs) Well, you weren't actually glowing, right? But somehow, something that happened to you, something that someone said to you, an experience you had, you walked into the room and people noticed there was something different about you. That's how the glow of God shows up. So friends, get your glow on this week and receive this benediction written by Henri Frederic Amiel as we leave this place this morning. Life is short and we do not have much time to gladden the hearts of those who make this journey with us. So be swift to love, make haste to be kind, and the blessing of God who made us and who loves us and who travels with us be with you now and forever. Amen. Go with God. Thanks for listening, friends. To learn more about Middle Church, visit middlechurch.org. You can help grow this movement of love and justice by rating us on Apple or Spotify and by sharing this episode with a friend or two. Send us an email at info at middlechurch.org if you have any questions or comments. We hope you'll come back next week. Bye for now. Thank you.